Jesus gave his life so that we could walk in victory from here to eternity. We're so glad that you're with us. So what is the church's responsibility when it comes to judging, if you will, a person that is living a sexual immoral life? Um, well, the Bible has something to say about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul. Notice I said a person. I didn't say a believer or a non-believer because we're going to deal with both. You need to hear this teaching. It'll help you whether you're dealing with some type of sexual immorality or a family member is or uh, just somebody that you care about or somebody that you know that is a non-believer. There, there is a responsibility that you carry, and you might, you, you might not be handling it properly. And so I'm going to help you. The scriptures are going to help us, all right? I'm going to share a story about somebody that came to me recently, within this last week, that is living a same-sex relationship and was just tore up. And I learned something. Uh, tremendously from this interaction. But we'll get to that. What does the Bible say? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Corinth. He says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Pause. What constitutes as someone being a sexually immoral person. Well, there's categories that you can see in the scripture. It's actually in this chapter and in the next chapter. It's in several other places. But uh, sexual immorality would be uh, fornicators. Well, what's that? That's having sex, not being married. Adulterers, that's having sex when you're married with, that, with somebody that's not your spouse. Homosexuals, that's having sex with somebody that is the same sex as you. Sodomites, that I believe has to do with uh, a certain type of sexual activity. And I think that mostly it would look, be looked at as uh, an adult with somebody younger. It's something that I, you don't even like to think about. Okay. But that's... Those would be categories of being sexually immoral. Okay? Um, here's what he goes on to say. I wrote to you in my epistle, don't keep company with sexually immoral people, yet I didn't mean with sexually immoral people of this world, since then you would need to go out of the world. So let's stay there for a second. Remember when Jesus said... Um, I came to seek and save those who are lost. When they were giving him a hard time, when the religious people of the day would, would give Jesus a hard time, do you remember when he said that? Um, he was telling people that were self-righteous, 
that were supposed to be upholding the law and actually being teachers of the law, and, and they weren't hitting the mark. Nobody could hit the mark. That's why there was always sacrifices to be made. Jesus lived out the perfect human life, anointed by the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, but not till he was 30. And he still lived out a perfect life without even having the anointing, uh, which, well, I don't want to get off track here. Squirrel. All right, here we go. Uh, he said, well, you'd have to leave the world if you couldn't keep people keep company with people like that. No, that's that's who we're trying to reach. And that's who Jesus reached. Anybody that had a problem uh, under the law, that was breaking the law, like the woman, quote-unquote, that was caught in the act of adultery, uh, they wanted a stoner. Well, they didn't because they couldn't after... Jesus made a statement, but then he didn't stone her, and he said, hey, go and sin no more. So he addressed that adultery was a sin, but he, he had grace and mercy on her, and he still does today. So, but what does he say? What is, what is, what is the church's responsibility when it comes to a person living in a sexually immoral life. Well, if that person is a non-believer, they don't claim to know Jesus. Your responsibility is to keep being a witness to them. Keep uh, keep being an example of the gospel of Jesus. Be nice to them. Invite them. Well, if you can, invite them to come to church. Invite them. Compel them to hear about the kingdom and, and, and to see the kingdom in action. Oh, but you need demonstration going on. If you're going to invite them to an event, a church event, there should be some demonstration going on. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean anointed teaching, anointed preaching that sets the captive free. Those that are sick, they leave well. Those that are bound, they leave free. I mean taking them, inviting them to a place where the Holy Ghost fire anointing is present to take care of business. Everybody's looking for freedom, but they don't want to go to, to that which sets them free. That's Holy Ghost. That's Holy Spirit. That's his, that's his job. He is the power source. Okay. Somebody that is claiming Christianity... They say, I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. I go to church. I have a great church. And by the way, our pastor has been doing a series on this, and he's breaking down or she's breaking down how uh, the New Testament got it wrong. It's not even actually talking about uh, homosexuality. It's talking about men with boys. You're wrong. That's wrong. I... Listen, this is not my rule. It's not my opinion. It's scripture. And let me just say this, and I've said it before. So just bear with me in case you've never heard any 
of our teaching. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And nothing that was created was created except through and by the Word. That is the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Now you drop down to verse 14 on the same page. And it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Listen, if it is dealt with between Genesis 1-1 and Revelation 22-21, those are Jesus' thoughts on any manner of life, any matter of this life. That's what Jesus thinks about it because Jesus is the word. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. So, if, if God dealt with sexual immorality by destroying cities, perversion, homosexual acts, if he, if he did that in the Old Testament, and we can read that in the quote-unquote word, well, Hebrews chapter 13 Verse 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And they're all God three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God Holy Spirit. They all agree. They never disagree. They're all in unity with the Scripture. It Just because it went from being under the law into the new covenant, which is the age of grace that we're in, it doesn't mean that God changed his mind. He put all judgment on Jesus on the cross. So right now, God is not judging. In fact, he lets us judge ourselves right now. He said, if you judge yourself, you will not be judged. The Apostle Paul wrote about that as well. It's in a few chapters um, to the right. I believe it's in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians. However, th- this is what he says. Uh, verse 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anybody that's named a brother. In other words, he's saying anybody that is saying, uh, well, I'm a Christian and they're coming to church, but you know that they're living a life of fornication adultery, uh, homosexuality, sodomy. Jeez, Lord forbid. But if you know that, he says, you don't keep company with anybody that's doing that. Any of those things. You, You don't, he goes on, he says, not even to eat with such a person. What, what do you mean? You can't fellowship. You, you can't hang around that. So what do you do? Well, you, you, you try to help them. And we can see in Scripture, I believe, how a believer, a Christ follower, is supposed to respond to these things. He does say this. He says that God is responsible for judging non-believers. But he said, uh, the church, you, you judge matters with inside the church. 
And so what do you do with, with these people? Well, I, I think that we can find it in the scripture. The first response, I believe, would be this. Galatians 6.1, brethren, uh, if any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, talking about Holy Spirit, should set that person right and restore and reinstate that person without any sense of superiority and with all gentleness, keeping an eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted also. Why, why does he add keeping an eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted also? Meaning that you can't reason with sin. That's why it says for, for people who are spiritual to restore. Otherwise, you can expect that that sin, uh, that as an okay behavior to the one person, and you're, you're trying to set them straight, like, hey, we, we don't live like this. We need to address this, and it needs to stop. And you don't expose that and tell everybody. You cover it with love, and you start to restore them, not with superiority, but with all gentleness. Uh, keeping an eye on yourself, because you can't reason with sin. The moment you start to reason it in your mind, you're getting over into the devil's territory. No, you stay in the spirit. Greater is he that's in me, greater is he that's in the believer than he that's in the world. Those, the, the practice of those things come from a place of spiritual influence. I believe it. And I believe you can, you can find it in the, in the word. And I'm not going to get into that right now, but you keep an eye on yourself because if you reason with that and you become okay with it, that, that behavior, you could start participating in it yourself. That's why Jesus said, Be, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. W what was he talking about? Well, those that were supposed to be upholding the law, being the example, and teaching the law for others and making sacrifices, um, they weren't. But he said, beware of it. False doctrines and traditions of men. That's leaven. A false doctrine would be, hey, we need to leave room for somebody that is, wants to get married to the same sex because that's the best they can do. That's a false doctrine. That's the preaching of another Jesus. Galatians 1.8, if anyone preach another gospel to you than the one that you got from, from us, if anybody preach another spirit, if anyone preach another Jesus, let them be accursed. People are doing it. Paul warns about it. Read Acts chapter 20. He's talking to the churches in Ephesus and the church leaders. He's not going to see them again. He, he knows that this is the last interaction he's going to have with them. And he says, hey, when I leave here, I know that there are going to be people that come in among you as savage wolves, not sparing the flock. And even some that are here right now are going to do the same, to draw men after themselves. What does that look like? It looks pretty cultish to me. 
these are people that draw Christians, quote unquote, after themselves. They they want a following. That is not any spiritual office's job to get people to follow you. This is not a franchise. This is life. This is the way, the truth, and the life. This is Jesus. That's that's the job and the responsibility of a a Christian leader, a, a pastor, somebody who travels and evangelizes it, somebody that's a, an apostle, a prophet, a teacher. It's not to have people follow you, even though people may follow you. It's to point them to Jesus. It's to point them to the Word of God. Well, you say, well, how, then how... This is my this is my deal right here. How can it get so mixed up because somebody came in as a wolf and didn't tell the truth and told people what they wanted to hear but they're abusing their position and they're actually hurting you or they're they're hurting people that are maybe at one point was struggling in this area and now they're like in a state of rebellion. I've said this before. There's there's two different types of people that deal with sin. There's one that struggles with it and they know that it's wrong. Any sin. And they don't want to do it and they're crying out and and I think eventually that they get help. And, and then there's those that become really acquainted with it and somebody tells them, well, you know, we all deal with stuff and it's okay. And um, no, it, it cuts your life short. And if, if there are people that can get to a place where they turn from the truth, Jesus said this in the last days, people would turn away from him, the truth. They would leave the faith. And I don't like that thought. So what is the responsibility? Well, you quit. How do you quit fellowshipping? Is it, that's pretty harsh. That's not love. Well, okay. Let's look at let's look at two. Let's look at what Jesus said about bringing peace. Because most the average person would would say, "Well, Jesus loves everybody. He does, and he accepts everybody. He does." But once you are accepted and you receive that acceptance by him and you say, oh, wow, thank you for taking my place. Thank you for giving your life for me. Yes, I'll give mine back to yours. Once you make that exchange, you are accepted. But then you are to grow and to become like him. That's called being a disciple. You follow after his teaching and you live as he would live as if he were here himself. That's not just doing his work. That's being like his character. And listen, we make mistakes, but we don't stay there. And we don't start to practice things. And if we find ourselves doing that, we got to judge it. And if you're having a hard time judging yourself, then you get help. Because God loves us so much it's going to be exposed. 
At some point, it might take years and years, but it will. And the whole time, you'll, you'll be living below the means. But let's listen to what Jesus said, because most people don't, uh, they, they just pass over some of the things that, that Jesus said in his word. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. The subtitle in my Bible is, Christ Brings Division. Jesus is speaking. He says this, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves a son or a daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Hey, I have found the perfect partner. Really? Okay. Bob, what's her name? Oh, it's Steve. What? Yeah, it's a guy. Oh, you found you found the perfect you found your life. You're gonna lose it, brother. I have found the most amazing love of my life. Susan, tell me who it is. I I can't wait to meet him. What's his name? Oh, it, it's 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 uh. I can't think of another woman's name right now. It's uh, Mary. Oh, what? You're finding your own way. You're, you're going to lord yourself? You're, you're going to become your own God with that because it's unscriptural. You're going to lose your life. Well, no, no, no. That, it's like perfect. Well, I understand that maybe there's a mutual love there, and, but, but you fell into sin. Both categories. It doesn't matter if it's a male or a female. It's unnatural. And it's talked about in the book of Romans. Chapter 1, God will allow you with your free will to do that. But that does not mean that he's involved. No, that's the preaching of another Jesus. He just said, so how do you handle your kids when it comes to this? Well, you, you certainly don't beat them down. How do you handle a family member that's like, like this that says, no, I'm, I'm a Christian still. I read, I read some books. How do you handle that? Okay. Can't get together. What? Why are you judging me? I'm not. The word is judging you, and I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow the word. And it, it is specific when it comes to this. It says that we aren't to fellowship. But I'm going to pray for you. If you... If you need something, give me a call. But we, we're not going to hang out because I'm not going to allow that false doctrine, that little bit of leaven, which will leaven the whole lump, come into my family. So this is where we stop right now. Still love you. God still loves you, and he wants you to repent. He wants you to change your mind back to what you originally got saved for. 
He wants to help you. Stop becoming dull to the voice of Holy Spirit. Jesus also said this in the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 49 through 53. But he says, don't, don't suppose that I came to give peace on earth. I tell you, not at all, but rather division. From now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two, two against three. So when it comes to family members, even somebody that's been maybe a best friend your whole life and you know, you've know you grown up together in the church and all of a sudden it's like, bam, what? You're doing that? Um, you don't bash them, but you can't fellowship. You got to keep moving on with the Lord. They're going to move on how they want to move on. But if you reason with it, it's, it's going to creep over to you. You cannot reason with stuff like that. You can't. It's, it's, you just can't do it. Now, so how do you handle, what if your child came? Now, I believe that this is the power source to actually a loved one being set free from this type of behavior. Because I'm going to tell you what happens to people when they live in a perpetual state of sin and they've already been born again. I'm going to tell you what the scripture says. I don't know if I'm going to get into the story about the person that met up with me yet or not. Maybe I'll just post something different about that story. I don't know. Hold on. So that Jesus said, um, if you love your, your dad or your mom more than me, you're not worthy of me. Oh, and by the way, I mean, for a parent, this is like, what, Lord? If you love your child more than me, you're not worthy of me. I mean, that's almost incomprehensible to think that, that God would expect that from a parent. Uh, that's unconditional love. How could I turn away from them? You're not turning away from them. You're turning away from fellowshipping with sin. And what happens and what's supposed to happen is if the whole church would knock off the nonsense and actually live by the scripture, that person would get set free. It is the power source. But there are churches out there, wolves, drawing crowds, men, men and women after themselves, delivering to them what their itching ears want to hurt here, and it's causing hurt. It, it's causing this great division. Well, this church is successful. Look how many people they got going there. Yeah, where's the, where are they actually being led to? Is it faith in Jesus? Are they looking more like Jesus, or do they look exactly and act exactly like the world does? React to everything, just like the world. Dress just like the world. Have, have concerts and shows just like the world. That's, 
that's it right there. I wouldn't want to be a person that has leadership and they're erring and leading people down a wide path to God. Because it's not wide, it's narrow. Um, remember earlier in the podcast when, when I talked about, well, what qualifies as sexual immorality and there's like four or five things that I listed? Well, sex in proper context, it's very narrow. There's just one way you can do it without getting into sin. There, it's narrow. It's a man and a woman that are married not, not common law married. I mean, a minister marries you. I don't care about the state stuff. They, that's checks and balances. That's They want to sign off and you pay your fees or whatever. That doesn't mean anything. It's the spiritual act of becoming a union. And there's an overseer and, and there's witnesses that you have committed to covenant with one another. That's marriage. But the Bible says that marriage is between a man and a woman. So just because you went to the altar, man, man, woman, woman, does not mean that you're married because that's a wide path there. People are going to want to start marrying animals. I want to marry my pet. I mean, where does it stop? Maybe people already have done that. I don't know. No, it's narrow. It's a a man and a woman husband and wife that's it that's the way that's what that's the way that god says that we're allowed as human beings to have sex period anything outside of that is sexual immorality and and yet you have people saying well that didn't mean that or you know god just loves us so much and all this then why did The law was not destroyed. It wasn't done away with. It was just fulfilled. I mean, if we could just live any old way that we wanted to, then there would be no more choices. How would you even show God that you love him? No, obedience. That's what proves love. And so this is not, you know, what you hear in my voice that could be mistaken for harshness is passion. And that passion is for truth because I know, I know that people are being led astray and they don't like themselves very much at all. I know it. And I've heard stories of people being set free. And I've heard stories of of people not. What What happens with people that live in a perpetual state of practicing sin is they become weak. They become sickly and they die prematurely. Uh, there was a, a man in, in the scripture in first Corinthians. So it's in the book that I read from earlier. And he was having a deal like a relationship with his stepmother living with her, sleeping with her. And the Apostle Paul wrote a letter because he, he caught word of it. He, he rebukes the church leaders. He says, what, what in the world's going on? I'm going to come there. 
But as far as I'm concerned, I've already given up his flesh to the devil that he might be saved on the day of the Lord still. So if you can recognize what the Apostle Paul is saying there, when your flesh is given up over to the devil, it probably, if you just read between the lines, he says that when the church isn't acting right, treating each other right, when you're taking communion, not right. This He says this is why many of you are weak, sickly, and dying prematurely. It's because of your lack of obedience to the word. And so what does sin do? Sin kills things. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. Well, Chris, everybody dies. Yeah, but not everybody has to die an agonizing way. Not everybody's life has to get cut short. No, no, no. When we're obedient to the Lord, and and listen, we're going to come up against stuff. We're going to miss the mark, which that's called sin. But there's certain things that you just can't continue to stay in. You got to get out of it. How do I get out of it? Get to a church. Get to a ministry. Get to somebody that operates and flows with the power of the Holy Spirit and allow them to pray for you. And then get around people that aren't going to treat you bad, that aren't going to be harsh with you, but gently restore you and reinstate you. Well, why do I need to be reinstated? This and that. It's not reinstatement of like, well, we'll give you your papers back and you can come back into the club. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't believe that's what the scripture is talking about. It means reinstate you because you have an anointing on your life that goes beyond your natural ability and it comes from the Lord. And the rest of the body of Christ is missing out on it and the world whom we are supposed to reach is missing out on the gift that God created you to have for such a time as this. Fooling around, practicing these things, gaining our own life, and yet we're losing it. Let me tell you something. And and I don't have a problem with speaking to church leaders in this area because the Bible is so clear. Get me on Larry King. Let me go sit down with Oprah. I've seen lots of ministers go sit down with Oprah, and none of them will say what the Scripture says. I have yet to see one say what the Scripture says. Just love. Eh, It's just love. Eh, Okay, just love. If she sat down with the Lord Jesus himself, do you know what he would say? He would probably, because the Apostle Paul got his doctrines what he wrote from the Holy Spirit, which is an agreement with Jesus and God, God the Father. He would say what Paul wrote. Well, here's my thoughts on it, Oprah. You don't do this. It needs to stop because it'll kill you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is what Jesus would say. 
If you're a minister representing Jesus, you have to speak the truth of the word rightly divided. You can't just make stuff up. You know, and so for those listening, do you know why ministers start to make stuff up? I believe. And I believe it's found in Isaiah 56, verses 9, 10, and 11. It's because they're following there may be church, there, the pressure of men, the fear of man, the people become their source and not God. And they become accustomed to perhaps their blessed lifestyle. And so if they, if they it's, it's almost like politics. If they start to, to speak a certain way or, or talk about certain things that are wrong and sin according to scripture, well, I might lose half my church. Well, guess what? The Lord can bring one person to supply the need that 2,000 were doing, if that's half your church. Tell the truth. Otherwise, you become what the prophet Isaiah talks about. You become an irresponsible leader. He addresses Israel's irresponsible leaders because they're, they, they weren't keeping the flock safe. Is the church safe? When it follows the scripture, it is. You get outside the scripture. You get outside the word of God. You're asking for trouble. You're asking for scandal. You're asking for heartache. You're asking for your kids and your family and your neighbors to say this is all a sham. It's all fake. No, it's not. People mess up. I will just say this. If you are living a sexual immoral life, ask the Lord to help you. Ask Him who you might want to go talk to. And, and let him help you out of that. If you're a non-believer and you're living that type of lifestyle, let me just tell you something. There is heaven. There's eternal life. And you can go to heaven and live in paradise. Or if you deny Jesus for, you know, until you pass from this life into eternity. Because everybody's moving in the same direction. Don't care what your age is. We're all moving from this moment right now at the sound of my voice. From, from, from here, we're all moving toward eternity. It's just a matter of when we get there. And, and nobody has promised tomorrow. Whew. So if you're not born again, I want to tell you something. That's the whole reason why Jesus took beating, why he... he Gave his life. Nobody took his life. Nobody killed Jesus. He gave his life for you. And we that are believers, the, the Holy Spirit, he deals with us. He, and then if you don't listen to him, he'll send somebody to reconfirm with the Scripture, and he's always going to lead you to Scripture. Hey, let's stop this. We need you. But if, you're, if you've never called on the name of Jesus, 
Let me just tell you something. He loves everybody so much that he died for you. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for you, went to hell, and on the third day was raised from the dead. If you confess that, you you become born again, and you then have right standing with God, and you're going to have eternal life, which means you go to heaven. And so I want to encourage you. You say, well, how do I believe with my heart? It's, it's, it's when you're thinking, I don't understand what this person's saying right now. I don't understand, but there's something on the inside of me that knows that what that man of God or what that woman of God is saying is truth, and I, I need Jesus. That's the response because that's the Holy Spirit dealing with you in your heart, not in your head. The Bible says that your, your mind has to be renewed to the Scripture, to the Word of God. And, and that takes time. But you get there. Hey, this person came, and uh, they had some, I think, family members kind of wig out on the situation, and it pushed them further. But we talked for a bit, and man, I could see some layers falling off of this person. Like, they knew that they knew. But they were, <clears throat> they had been in the relationship, <clears throat> excuse me, they had been in, but they had been in the relationship for a while, years. And they had become accustomed to the relationship. It's a hard thing, right? But not with the Lord. There's grace for it. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. If it blessed you, check out our website. If you want to help support our ministry, you can give online. Yeah, our website. We'll show you all the ways that you can support the ministry. Hey, we love you. And until next time, be blessed. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the From Here to Eternity podcast. And thank you to all of the partners of CJM that have made this podcast possible. If the Lord puts it on your heart to give, please visit us at cjm.life.